hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. Just want to see how many people do I know. <laughs> what a wonderful atmosphere to walk into today. And um, yeah, it's just amazing. And thank you, Carl and Lisa, for an invitation and your very kind words. Um, actually, this year has been a year where I have been part of several, actually more than several, uh, 50 years celebrations. And I think I must have started when I was a teenager. <laughs> Just a little bit more. <laughs> but it is... Um, it is a very wonderful thing to realise. I look back over my life, and I'm abs- now actually I need a time. If I, I've got it there. Um, you know, you you have what you think is something, just who you are, and it's just like a seed. But it is absolutely staggering as I look back now over more than 50 years to realise what the seed has become, and. Um, and so it's a little overwhelming to really come and see that you really were part of, of the seed that went out from Majestic. Actually, um, Norma just texted me last night and said, send my love to you. She's coming to visit at the end of the month and will be staying with me for about 10 days. And um, because I initially, when she was coming, I said, you'll have to be here for this day. <laughs> but it's now the end of the month. But David and Norma, and I'll actually allude to them a little bit as I share about legacy. But it is, uh, what a massive subject it is, legacy. And um, Dave, um, Carl and Lisa have asked if I share a little bit about the legacy that we have as New Life, which I am delighted to do. <clears throat> but legacy is really... Part of the legacy is not what you leave behind, but it's part of your story. And every one of you has an amazing story to tell. And sometimes it's not until you stop and talk about your story that helps you identify the legacy that you really have. Because life just keeps on going, doesn't it? And you don't stop and think, where is, what have I, what has it brought me out of? Where am I and where am I heading? And I just really think it's amazing as I've thought about it probably more so this year because of the situation and circumstances and the meetings that I've been in, I've thought, Father, I'm absolutely staggered at what you can do with, we give him a handful of something and it's like a seed and it becomes a tree that absolutely multiplies and multiplies. And so in talking about the legacy of new life, and which um, sort of involves a little of our personal story, I want you to realise that this story is your story. And it's not just, and there'll be aspects of it that you, I trust will inspire you to realise that when we started out, we, we had no idea, we had, my husband, late husband Peter, had no, I, no ambition or desire to build a large church. 
he, um, he defied all the manuals of what it is to grow a large church. And um, you couldn't put him in a box. And I couldn't either. <laughs> Not that I didn't try. <laughs> but you know, whatever our past is, there's so much in our background that shapes us. But it's incredible to realize the great interception that changes everything historically and personally is the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, he gives us an amazing legacy. He redeems our past. He gives us a new beginning. He gives us a new life. He gives us a new heart. And I did have a wee peek at your service last week <laughs> and was really blessed to hear the story of Jess Davies. You know, what a, what, and that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. Takes you from where you are and so causes you and ushers you into an entirely different, different um, future. But legacy is something, and which as I talk a wee bit about it today, it's either personal and it can be corporately. And you can either be leaving, and, and I, I, I alluded to this actually with my husband, you can either be walking and leaving a footprint in the sand, or you can be leaving a footprint which is planted in a rock. And God wants us to realize that we have a massive opportunity to actually secure and leave a legacy that will last for all of eternity. Isn't that amazing? So my life isn't just what happens here on, on this life or the circumstances that I'm going through right now. You can think, oh my goodness me, why am I going through this? But God is preparing you and causing you to leave something of a legacy that is going to last for all of eternity. And I just really think we all leave a legacy either by default or by desire. And I just really trust that as I just share briefly today, Today, that God will plant something of deep desire in your heart and to evaluate what kind of legacy are you leaving. Just three areas uh, that I wanted to cover briefly was uh, the leaving a legacy in the area of your faith, leaving a legacy in relation to your finances, your possessions, and leaving a legacy in relation to your family, which speaks of relationships. And it's interesting, sometimes we can have a vision for our church or for our lives, and is it a vision for 20 years, for 30 years? Or I know of churches that have a vision that for a 100-year vision for their churches. What are, where are we going to be in a 100 years? What's our future going to look like? And I believe God wants to give us that kind of um, brilliance really to plan because of the mind of Christ to know what it is to plan and build for not only for a hundred years but for all of eternity as he quickens us, as he inspires us and causes us to go far beyond we have ever been before. And I, I think um, often... Paul, when he was speaking about his own life in the in Corinthians, he takes, talks about it being like a race, and um, I have um, have several 
of my grandchildren and, and also my son that have been represented New Zealand in the athletic field. And it, it isn't just a sprint, it is a marathon as they are part of triathlons. And you know, um, or even if they do that um, coast to coast, everyone who crosses the line in that event is a winner. You might not get there in the quickest time, but through the disciplines and the incredible sense of achievement. But you know, one of my aspirations has always been, Lord, I can know what it is to be a good starter, but I want to be a good finisher. We can all start and we can all, and, and I, you know, I really feel disappointed at sometimes, you know, when I hear of lives that have gone off the track, but you know, God wants you to finish well. And can I speak a little about older ones because I, I, ha I don't classify mine in that area, but the reality is I am. <laughs> the outward man perished, but on the inside, I feel very young. I really, really do. I feel... And, and, and when you talk about retirement villages, that's something my sister and I have no desire or plan for. We've set up our own. But when you think of retirement, it speaks of retreating from the assignment. And I think sometimes older people, you think of retirement, well, I've done my bit. No, you won't do your bit. Your bit won't be completed until you've actually crossed over the line. And not only have you crossed over the line, but you've passed the baton on to the next generation. And that's something for every one of us to be very confident and very zealous and, very, and have strong convictions about. And, you know, as I think of um, in 2 Timothy, you know, as we talk about the faith, you know, the strong faith that was passed down to Timothy was from his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice's. And, you know, I hate to tell you this, but it's true. But there's some promises and prophecies that have been spoken over your life that you have heard that will not be fulfilled in your lifetime, but they will be fulfilled in the generations that are to come. And that means, because God speaks of the generations, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And that also means, which I find, oh my God, I didn't want to hear this news, but sometimes the prayers that you pray today, they will outlive your life here on this earth, but they will affect the next generation. And I feel, I feel I've got a huge storehouse in that kind of area. So when it comes to legacy, one of the primary legacies I really wanted to talk about was that of the legacy of faith. And that's the greatest legacy you can leave. And that talks about your journey with God. And when it comes to new life, as I look back, you know, um, well, as we look back, you think, it's not that we're going back. And like some people said to you, Andy, you ever wished for the old days? Because we were born in a wonderful move of God. But you know, as much as I loved that, as much as I was privileged to be part of it, I believe the new day that God is ushering us into, will, that will fade into, into a shadow because our greatest days are still just ahead. And you know, it's wonderful to see young people here. I, you know, um, 
I guess that's why I was part of the new moves of God and I was relatively young. And it was because God put a hunger in my heart for more. And that was the essence of what we were ushered actually into. And... Um, and often in scripture, as and this is so talking about legacy, God often causes us to remember, remember, and she said, "But I don't want to. I don't want to go back to the past." But you know, in remembering what God has done, that is going to put something of of the of the understanding, and it's going to be, and you understand the DNA that God has for your future. Also, it will be a tremendous sense of strength and courage. I know you know the story so well of David and Goliath, but have you ever wondered, when, as he faced Goliath, he also took with him a staff. And in the natural, you'd think, wouldn't that have been a hindrance to wanting to really put that sling across and fire that, uh, that shot? But, you know, on the staff, they used to engrave their history. And on David's staff, as he would go and approach the Goliath, and he on his staff would be his history. I've known what it is to, to slay a bear. I've known what it is to slay a bear. I know my God is with me. I know my God has been faithful. And as he was with me in those kind of situations, he will be with me today. And as I look at the Goliath, I, he can look at him and he say, he, the Goliath looks and said, who do you think you are, you little skimp of a kid? But he... But but Goliath says, no, who are you that dares to defy the armies of the living God? And I think God wants to change the kind of spirit that we have, that we are not wimps and we are not people that are going nowhere. But God has put a new spirit within us. And as we've experienced it, you will experience a greater one because the challenges are certainly out there. So when it came to new life, what were we rooted in? We were actually, I, I think as you understand what you're rooted in, we, we always pray you don't have to go back to square one in your life. But wherever we have, what have come to, if we've reached a ceiling, we want that to be your platform. We want you to go off from that. We want you to, because the, God's progression is not to go backwards, but it's from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And even though there might be days and times and seasons when you feel like you're going backwards, I tell you, you that might be the feeling, but in God's economy, it's ushering you into a greater perspective, a greater demonstration, a greater glory of who our God is. I mean, I just want love and wonder at the revelation that I've not only known Jesus as my Saviour, but you know, within me is the living Christ. Within me is a Christ who reigns. Within me is a Christ who has overcome. And so whatever I do and whatever I become, it isn't, it isn't who I am, but oh, there's a magnificent Christ within. And that's another whole wonderful story. But however, what, what, what were we born into? What was the platform that God brought us into? And we really, in the, and I'm sure you've probably spoken much about the restoration of truth, which is wonderful to realise over the, over the um, centuries how God began restoring precious truths into the church. 
And then in the, 1940, uh, the early 1900s, there was great outpourings of the Holy Spirit. You know, past revivals, we used to so feed on these, um, especially the Welsh revival, because it wasn't just an outpouring of the Spirit, but, you know, the community was absolutely changed. I love the stories when it read that the police no longer could, could went to court they, and the magistrates folded up their white gloves because there was no more crimes. Wow. And the hope the pubs had to close because people no longer wanted to get drunk. And the crime rate went absolutely down. And, and I look at our nation today, no wonder we cry out for revival. And not only that, but hearts were healed. Broken lives were restored. Families were brought together again. And so as we read about outpourings of the Holy Spirit, it created a huge hunger and desire in our hearts. Oh God, can you do this again? Can you do this again? And um, it, and we were, uh, we so that was really the platform that we came in and there was that charismatic move where people came into were wonderfully being touched up and down the nation. And out of that kind of uh, situation, actually I need to, I wanted to say this, but the, um, the, what, the, what God was restoring was the powerfulness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so that our gospel wasn't cloudy. Sorry. <laughs> Occasionally you see someone and think, oh. <laughs> but you know that God just didn't want us to have a message, but he wanted us to have a powerful message that demonstrated what God is like. And the miracles and the healings, and I will never be content until what the scripture says God is literally becomes very real in our midst. But what was happening um, in, in New Zealand at that time, there were meetings up and down the country. There were um, churches being planted. And it was, um, and the South Island particularly, Peter was really qu quite connected to a lot of that work. And in the North Island, there was Rob Wheeler. And, and, but the, a lot of the churches were, or the, the church plants at that time, were independent. And it was really through the apostolic role of, and it was a huge privilege of both um, Peter and Rob Wheeler, it was to actually consolidate and to establish what is now known as the New Life Movement. And when it came to our story, um, God brought Peter back to Christchurch, what well, brought him into Christchurch, he never planned to stay. And God spoke to him, um, one of the primary scriptures were was the Adullam's cave in Nehemiah's walls, and and that's that's an amazing amazing story where God challenged Peter. He said, "Over the city, you know, there were people that like like David had lives that people that were just discontented, that were broken, that were bruised. But what God wanted them, He didn't want them to remain there. And I think this about our cities. God does not want our cities to be broken or to have people that are distressed or in debt. But out of them, He wants to grow the army of the living God. And so that became a passion um, and a direction in His." His life, and um, I wish you would have known my Peter. I don't think anyone here would have met him. <laughs> oh, a couple of you, 
But one of the things, uh, and really I think when it, when it comes down, what really matters, but he was a man that they described, a man who loves God and loves people. And, and he was, I was even staggered by it, actually bothered by it at times. <laughs> He'd invite some people home for supper and he'd say, and I've got a few coming over for supper. Okay, I'm used to that. And you walk into your house and there's about 60 people there already. <laughs> he was such a gatherer. But, you know, they, they opened up this little meeting in Christchurch called Adullam's Cave. And... Um, this is where people who were hungry for more of God came and were wonderfully baptised, powerfully baptised. People had to be carried in their cars, carted back home, had to be carried down the stairs. They were so drunk in the spirit. And David Ellis was one of those who was, who David and Norma were in our church. And um, they, because of Norma's persistent brother, they came to the meeting and wonderfully and powerfully were touched. And they had such a hunger for more. Of, uh, not only were they filled with the Holy Spirit, but created a hunger in their hearts for more of him. And David and Norma um, grew very quickly in their walk with God. And David came down here um, to actually um, be part of setting up this outreach here in Ashburton. We did not know of an Anglican church in the city that wasn't affected by this. And the Catholics, actually, it was actually it was recorded that, you know, the, the, what was happening in Christchurch at that time at New Life was a catalyst for the move of the Holy Spirit among the Catholic people. And we used to have Catholics come and sit in the back of our church. Some were nuns. I avoided them, the priests, on Christmas Day because they had already been to about four or five masses and were a little inebriated by the time they got to our church. And, but the thing was, it was such a gathering place where God brought people together. And I, I look back now and I think, Father, how did it all happen? It started off, Lord, here I am. Here's my life. It was very, it was very much a hidden life. But, you know, you just thought, oh, God, the gift of hunger that he gives us. And some of the pictures, some of the um, legacy of new life was what I experienced as I walked in your door was the sense of the praise and the worship. <sighs> that was, we were breaking new ground in those days. You take it for granted. But you know, to know what it is to come in and to worship the Lord. And our worship is augmented by who we think God is. Like you can come in and think, oh God, he's just any old God. But if David said, I will have high concepts of you, and I'll not only have high concepts of you, but because you've given me a revelation, and I believe this is happening more and more today, because the revelation that I had of God those beginning years has so grown and so increased, and so that now today I can truly say as I come to 
and I'm not sure when it will be, but I've given God things I still want to see when I will cross that line. But you know that I want to be more in love with him than I've ever been in my life before. I want to be more, have a greater revelation of who he is. I want to be more amazed. I want to be more astounded. So coming in to worship him is not an, oh God, here I am. Oh no, what it is corporately to begin to praise and to worship him. And that was one of the one of the wonderful characteristics of the legacy that we have is new life, and then um, and also the the aspect of the teaching of the Word of God, which we had outstanding teachers. We had Russick and David Ravenhill, and as they were taught, as they taught us, and we were we became lovers and and hungry for the Word of God. And the spirit of revelation, and I look back and I think, oh God, what was the seed? Look what it now has become. Prayer was, when it came to our journey of faith, the legacy of faith that new life has, well, there was a tremendous emphasis on prayer. And um, what a wonderful privilege that is. Have you ever stopped to think about it? You know, prayer is not only walking with God, not only coming to know him, to have an intimate walk with him, but it's his invitation to partner with you to see his will come on this earth. I'll never get my head around the statement by Ian Bounds, which he said, God will do nothing on this earth except he finds a people that will pray. Now, don't ask me to explain that except that he's limited himself to a people that will pray. And we would go into prayer meetings with the move of God, and this is part of your legacy. Prayer meetings can be amazing times. They can be times of warfare. They can be times of adoration. And sometimes they can be really hard work. But, you know, um, sometimes we go into a pre-meeting and I remember some where people would go back to their cars, go out to their cars, and then before we knew where they were all coming back in because the presence and the power of God was being manifested. And, and they'd be there for another couple of hours as we soaked. And, and, and my husband had quite a prophetic gift and he would move around praying for people and prophesying over people. He wouldn't prophesy over me, he said, because, Anne, you're my wife. And I remember sitting in this corner and I was having a little pity party and I said, oh, God, I would love a word from you. And, and then I thought, what, do I, what would I want him to say? I didn't want him to tell me what I was going to become. I didn't want him to tell me what I maybe would do. I probably would have gone out the back door. But the thing was, I said, Lord, do you know what I want to hear most? is that you love me. Now, I know his word tells me that he does. I know that I'd experienced it. But, you know, don't we need to hear that again? And then Peter came over and he began to say, Anne, I've got a word for you tonight. And I thought, wow, that's a miracle. (laughs) But the miracle was, God wants you to know how much you are his beloved. And I thought, God, you're so personal. As mighty and amazing as he is, he so inspires us in our walk with him. And out of those kind of pre-meetings, we actually, part of the legacy of new life was 
um, was to actually, well, actually, maybe I'll just slip through some of this, was um, the aspect of church planting and missions. And and this is what um, what really happened. We actually, from Majestic, over the years, we actually planted eight campuses in Christchurch. Then we planted campuses in the rural areas. But you know, the, the mission of New Life, the mission, your mission, is not just your rural area, your locality, it's the nation's. And, um, and so, we really had an st- incredible pull onto the nations where we had Bible schools, we started training schools and that's another whole history. But the, I'll just, just to mention this in the area of the legacy of finance. You know, because God says, I want you to lay up a legacy that will financially benefit the generations that are to come, your personal family and the kingdom of God. And I know when it came to missions, we had some outstanding people, outstanding, who are still apostolic today. And they went out, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but we sent them out by faith. And do you know what that meant? Yes, we will send you, we will pray for you, and if we can, we will support you financially. Because you're going out by faith. And... I, I remember one day feeling really challenged <clears throat> as, well, Peter get, used to get these ideas. <laughs> he said, and I think we should live like we are expecting our missionaries to do. In other words, we should go off a wage. And I had all the reasons why, why we should. We shouldn't do that. And Peter, in his wisdom, he didn't argue with me. He said, Anne, you pray about it. And the scripture that came to my mind was, but you can't, you don't muzzle the ox. In other words, don't muzzle or take what what is regarded for us. But I thought I would look that scripture up. And this is the only time I wish I didn't have an amplified. Because as I looked it up in the amplified, it said, yes, true, the Bible says you shall not muzzle X, but you shall provide for them. But Paul said, even though that's a scriptural principle, he said, but I chose not to exercise my right. Oh, no. Oh, no. Give me another verse. (laughs) But, you know, that was a word of faith as well because it was God was directing us. So for, and I don't know how many months where we were totally off a wage and no one knew except our treasurer. And we had to learn to live expecting God to provide our financial needs. And in miraculous ways, I didn't even have a washing machine those days. And, and the new one arrived on the doorstep. There was, and, and, and we used to have a lot of, lot of hospitality. And I looked, I thought, how can I do this? And miraculously, the food increased. But sometimes you'll never experience the miraculous until you are in a desperate point of need. I am just wondering if I'll just touch on this aspect. 
because all of those are part of the legacy of new life, church planting, knowing what it is to have a, a, a vision for the, for the nations, knowing what it is to be part of the outpouring of the Spirit, and then just briefly touching on the legacy of family. I have five children that all have a role in my life. <clears throat> and um, I'm not, I won't go into that. But I, I feel very privileged as a mother to have had five children. Peter said I could have six boys and then a girl when I married him. I still married him. <laughs> I'm amazed at what I did. <laughs> but the thing was, um, and my greatest joy is that each one of them are in leadership roles and in influential roles. And, but they're not only family, they are wonderful friends. And they do a lot of life together, holidays together. And fortunately, um, we, the ones, one were overseas for 12 and a half years, but quite often the five families, we have times and holidays together. And I just, we didn't always agree. But, in, and, but you know, I think, and had some quite robust discussions. But you know, their faith in God is absolutely so strong. I feel a really blessed mother. But you know, I remember because, and my greatest joy really, my favorite, actually my favorite day is Mother's Day. It truly is. I love that. And I really think that because I feel such a mother, um, God used that to launch me into when it came, when we came to the scriptures on Nehemiah, where because there was such a brokenness in families, such a pulling down of the families and that God really quickened me and Nehemiah, go and fight for your families. And, and I launched into something which was right up and down the nation with the Save Our Homes and it was so incredible really because in my nature I am basically a timid, well not timid, a gentle person, but you touch my kids <laughs> and I can be like a lion, can't we mothers? And you know, and that scripture, fight for your family, fight for principles. And, and as, as we launched into that particular thing, I was launched into it not only because of, of what was happening in the nation, but I was fighting for a legacy for my children. I was fighting for a legacy for the generations that were to come. And I just really think that it's amazing that Jesus didn't die for a crowd. He wanted a family. And in our family comes our identity, our belonging, our significance, our unconditional love and our togetherness. And it's so, God wants the church to be family. I wish I could promise you that when you came and joined our church, you would never be offended, that you would be totally loved. But I actually think when you have 101 courses for Connect, the first lesson should be how to deal with offences. You will be offended in this place and we will offend you and you will offend us. But, you know, it's not a matter of 
of that happening, it's how you deal with it. And part of the legacy that you are leaving with your family and it's how you walk with God. How do you value God? What, what place does God have in your life? What place does the word of God have in your life? What place does the church, how do you speak about church? Your value of church is part of your legacy for your family. I won't get into the practice so much on that. But just to say, I look back over our legacy of new life. And I have very dear friends who we began the church with and we are still very, very dear friends. And this week, this year, we have been involved with what has been Living Springs, the 50th year. And we were just talking yesterday and four of us who were the, on the original three families will be there and have journeyed for 50 years. And not only have we journeyed together, but we have such a deep love for God and such a deep relationship of love and friendship. And I just really think, I think, oh God, you are absolutely amazing. And so when it comes to coming to the end of my race, I want to ask you, what will be the baton that you will hand over? What will be your baton of faith? What will be your baton of finance? One of integrity, one of generosity. What will be your, your legacy of family, of knowing how to, the value of forgiveness, the value of restoration, the value of God's goodness and his mercy? And that is my challenge today. For some, it might be God needs to call you back to come back into the race. Because we do get weary and we do have disappointments that can put you off track. But I want to challenge you. When it comes for all of eternity, when it comes for the next generation, what are you passing on to your family? What are you passing on to your colleagues? What are you passing on to one another? That baton. So I wondered if you could all stand. Because God has given you so much, has given us so much. And I want you to visualise a baton in your hand. And I want you to think, what is that baton? What does it speak of? The baton that I'm going to pass on to my children. The baton that I'm going to pass on to the next generations. Actually, when it comes to generations, I'm already praying for my grandchildren's children. My grandchildren are astounded about that. But the scriptures say to pray for the third and the fourth generations. So I have been praying prayers that will go to reach a thousand generations. And I think, do you realise you can do the same? And as if I think God wants to lift your vision today, it's wonderful what you hear. It is such a joy to my heart to be here and to see you and to see the solidity and the fervency and your love for God. But can I say, this is only the beginning. You haven't arrived. He's just prepared you for this new day. And for a sharpening of your focus on the legacy, 
for this area and for the nation and the nations. What will you pass on? Paul said, oh dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We don't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking you as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives. Open up your hearts. Open up your minds. And realise that God has called you to live beyond yourselves. And build your lives in light of what is today. But to build your lives of what you will leave behind. Father, and I haven't even touched on the miraculous, but God doesn't want you to stay where you are. And not only just have a message, but he wants the message to be a demonstration of his power and of his mind. Where we will see and we are seeing lives that are not only restored, but wonderfully healed inwardly, but outwardly too. This is our God. This is our God. So as you take that baton, and even young people, you don't have to wait till you're old to pass the baton on. You are already influencing another. And Father, I just really pray that you'll show us our legacy of being hungry for you, for more of you, for lifting our eyes so that in our faith we will grow. In our finances we will prosper to bless others and set up an inheritance for the next generation. And in our families, and in our relationships. We will be great demonstrators of the love of God, of the forgiveness of God, of the grace of God, of the kindness of God, of everything that you are. And I pray this over Ashburton New Life, that as you embrace the legacy it will cause you to be catapulted into the future and destiny that has already been spoken and declared over your lives. And that you, God, I, just, I just so sense God is going to cause an enlargement in your expectation, an enlargement in what you think God could do, and in a sense that you'll be a greater revelation of the destiny and purpose for your life and for the purpose of Ashburton New Life. And I thank you for that, Father, a destiny that will count for all eternity. And just as you hold that baton, I want you to think of who you're going to pass it on to. Who will be the one that will receive what you have? And Father, we pray for those ones today that much seed will be sown Many souls will be reached and your kingdom will be extended in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.